0: Father Benedict didn't take much with him the night he left the Christian brothers scholasticate at Strathfield. A small case of books, some writing paper, two pens, a book of Latin prayers, the shirt, coat and trousers he was wearing, and an old pair of shoes. He didn't own any of these things, so what he took constituted a kind of theft. I imagine though he did leave one thing behind. Although I'm not sure, I like to think that Brother Benedict left his white clerical collar lying in a perfect semicircle on the single bed in which he'd slept alone for all of his religious life.
1: It was a shock when I first saw the photograph of the familiar-looking man in the black coat and white priest-collar. I was 12, attending the big Catholic school in town, and I found the picture in a box of old photographs. Who's this, Mum? That's your father. Why is he dressed up as a priest? Not a priest, a Christian brother. I didn't know much about the brothers, but I knew that they weren't supposed to marry or have children. I was disturbed and a bit ashamed, as if I'd discovered a secret I shouldn't have.
0: He walked into the night without a word to anyone. Late May is cold in Sydney. Perhaps the winds cut into him as he walked down Railway Avenue. The journey would take him from the inner west suburb of Strathfield all the way across Sydney to the waters of the Pacific Ocean.
2: I mention it to my wife, Carol, and I've told her a lot of my life in the Brothers and why I've joined, why I left and all that. But really I told very little to my three children as they grew up. and Maybe it's something you don't pass on to your children.
1: When I published my first book, A Family Memoir, in 2009, I wrote about how my father had walked out of the Christian Brothers one evening after over 25 years of religious service, leaving, according to family folklore, his saucepan burning on the stove. A couple of months after the book was released, I received a letter from a man called Brian McInnes, who'd been one of Dad's students the night he mysteriously disappeared. Why had my father walked out after so many years? I was curious to know more.
2: If you're looking for your father, the sort of questions that you have to ask and the information you've got to get is why he had a vocation in the first place and then the next questions are how did he live with that vocation and why did he leave that vocation? And from, you know, some of the correspondence we've managed to dig up, it was a very difficult decision that he made. That gate wasn't there. So he would have
1: gone down here? Yes. I have the idea to make the same walk that Dad had made the night he left his religious life. Perhaps this urban pilgrimage might help me better understand my father. You know, I just had a thought, Brian, as we walk out these gates that my father walked out all those years ago.
0: As Brother Benedict kept on walking, he hardly noticed the names of the suburbs he passed through. Ashfield, Lewisham, Petersham. It was dark and windy. It reminded him of a night in Manchester when he was a boy looking for firewood in the street, to keep his family warm. Ma Neal, though, dreamed of a better life. Her dreaming had brought them to Australia, a long, cold journey across the water.
3: I think the family first settled in um, the Gladesville area in Sydney.
1: My cousin Mike Neal is one of the few remaining links with my father's family.
3: Um, well, Ben was in Sydney as well, in the Christian Brothers, and Charles ended up in Adelaide, Uh, with his wife Kath and she was the one I think who told me how your father Ben left the Brotherhood in such a a state of distress and uh, turmoil and seemed to have travelled quite away from the Brothers Monastery in Strathfield where he was and I think that was probably the beginning of you know leaving of the Brotherhood. I don't think it was done lightly anyway I think it was some sort of uh, personal calamity that caused him to leave a flight of distress is all I can really as an outsider describe it as
0: Old Ma Neil had plans for all her children. One of them would go to God, on behalf of all their sins. It hadn't been a difficult decision. He was the one the brothers favoured. He was good at school and loved to sit in the quiet of the church. It was such a contrast to the noise at home. He had brothers there too, but they were meaner and rowdier than the brothers who taught him poetry and read to him magical stories about their own religious dreaming.
1: Would he have been recruited, or would he have put forward his desire? Or is it a mixture of the two? A mixture.
2: Yeah, very much a mixture.
1: How does a child decide? Is it as much as like wanting to join Manchester United now, like it's got glamour?
2: Yes, certainly has an amount of glamour. You were the one from that class that went there. See, a vacation is a calling. You have been called from God. You looked at this as important, that you had a calling, that, that you felt special. You were more special than the, the other kids in your class. They might have scored more tries than you on a football field or beat you in the 100 yards, but uh, you, you were the one that was called.
1: And would this have been mm. enough to sustain someone to stay for 25 years?
2: Oh, no, that's... That,
1: that's something different.
2: That gets you started.
1: I can remember the hymns in church when I was a child. I sat beside mum as she played the organ while dad prayed up the front, handsome in his blue suit. I was dressed in frills and wore a flower in my hat. This was called my Sunday best. I was told not to fidget and sit up straight while the priest spoke, but dad could tell I was bored. He handed me a prayer book, even though I couldn't read, and said, this family of God's children is called a parish. I thought God must be my grandfather.
4: It was regarded as a high privilege to give one of your children uh, to serve full-time service in the church.
1: Edmund Campion is a writer and historian. He's written extensively on the history of the Catholic Church in Australia. He's also a priest.
4: And so if a boy came back from school and said, I think I'd like to be a Christian brother, More than likely they'd say something like, we don't want to lose you, but we think you ought to go. They'd support him in that. But they did it willingly, because it was part of their community, and they knew that the community, to keep going, had to have such self-sacrifice. Remember, there was no state aid for their schools. The schools, if they were to continue, and they were an essential part of the continuance of this subculture, They would have to be staffed by people living a life of poverty.
0: He wasn't nervous when he left home. Some boys his age were working full-time, collecting firewood on the streets, hauling bags in factories, already damaged by poverty.
4: Many, many, many of those people lived in uh, hovels, really, in slums. But they worshipped in big churches. Um, They looked along the street and there was their big church not their own homes, they lived through and in the church. And the church responded by giving them an experience of life that they couldn't get on their own.
0: He hardly remembered his birth name, Arthur Gerard, a good Anglo-Saxon name but it wouldn't do for a religious man to be called Arthur. He needed a name that rang like a bell in the marble circumference of a chapel, a name that belonged in a cathedral. He chose his new name from a list, Benedict. His new brothers called him Blessed.
4: The difference between uh, the Christian brothers and the Franciscans, the Jesuits, the Dominicans, is the Christian brothers were monks and uh, they simply taught in schools. Now, the thing about the Christian brothers is that there were very many of them, they were very popular, and they taught the sons of the poor and lived in poverty themselves. And they had the mission to bring
2: them up, to teach them, not just the religious aspect, but the social aspect generally. But a lot of the Catholic boys and girls that came from that time had a feeling for sort of what was right or wrong in the way one lived uh, socially, politically, not just by the Ten Commandments.
4: It was a very tough order. It was high-achieving. They dedicated themselves to the advancement of their pupils. But to do that, he had to live a very hard life in bare uh, monastic circumstances with very little depth Very little experience and very little resources. But they overcame all of those and uh, the interior story of the Christian Brothers, I think, is a story of extraordinary achievement at great cost.
0: The first time he stepped into the silence of the chapel, he felt like he'd come home. So there were no tears when his mother said goodbye. He imagined life stretched out before him now like the mysteries he unraveled in scripture classes of the seraphims, the ancient scholars and the modern poets, as well as the rules of cricket and rugby and the beautiful order of mathematics and prayer.
1: The Juniorates were where the young boy was sent to be removed from the world as he prepared for full-time religious life. Brian had first-hand experience of what life would have been like in the Juniorate for a boy of 14 leaving home to join the Christian Brothers.
2: If we're looking for the Juniorate schoolrooms, they're probably still here.
1: So looking at it here, this would have been very similar to how it was when you were here. Oh, yeah. we, w- we just would have seen boys in black
2: They'd be wearing suits or shirts and trousers with lots of food stains on them.
1: The stains were a map of your history.
2: <laughs> they could well be. As I wrote to you originally after I'd read your memoir and thought I might be of some help to you, it was like a boarding school. There was a little less than 100 students over four classes. There was sport, handball, soccer, gymnastics, swimming in a 20-metre pool, a yearly athletic carnival and cricket. Daily mass and communion, weekly confession, morning prayers, midday prayers, rosary in the late afternoon, and evening prayers before early about nine pm bed.
1: Brian, were there a lot of boys who went there really missed their homes, or were they excited or unhappy? Was there a lot of crying? All those, they
2: were excited. They were unhappy. Not much crying, they are allowed to some didn't in yeah, in. Oh, certainly there was no uh, compulsion on people to stay no except for that idea, I used the word perseverance there that was a very favorite word all through a trading period, and of course, you wasn't allowed to have any particular friendships though that was that was frowned upon very much. were yeah. they
1: worried about it getting too close
2: this. Uh, fiat against particular friendships was uh, like almost an overreaction from that. You get young kids, there, lonely, stripped from their family and lonely and being told the one thing they couldn't do was to become too friendly with any of these other boys around them. They had to stand on their own two feet, like the cold showers that they had every day.
1: My father took me to the church to have me blessed, confessed and communed. I chose three saints' names in one for my confirmation. I may as well get value for my money, I told Dad, although it was spiritual currency we were talking about. He told me to give up at least one name, preferably two, and learn to be happy with simple things.
2: One of the peculiarities of the place was that there were no urinals. Not only in the Juniorate, but through the whole of Mount St Mary's.
1: Why would there have been no urinal?
2: Uh, making sure there was no temptations. So not only didn't I speak to girls for seven years, have a worthwhile conversation with any of the other sex, but I didn't, um, I didn't use a urinal for seven years. Uh, and it was a little difficult to use one afterwards. <laughs>
1: I didn't always understand the rules. When the Angelus bell rang at school, I was supposed to kneel and pray to God. But I was hungry and ate my lunch instead. I was sent home with a note pinned to my shirt that said, I am a greedy girl. With his best handkerchief, my father brushed away my tears of shame.
2: Offer
0: it up for the souls in purgatory, he advised. Bless me, Father, for I have sinned. It is 24 hours since my last confession, and these are my sins. I am guilty of envy and pride. I was happy when I did well at lessons, and thought it was because I had worked harder than others, when I know I should only thank God for the protection of my soul. He polished his words like pearls. He was known as a scholarly boy who spoke well, he loved beautiful things, the perfection of prayer, and the sound of Latin conjugations: Benedictus, Benedicto, benedicto, Benedicibar, Benedictus sum. I bless. I am blessed. I, blessed. I was blessed. I have been blessed.
4: Of course, being in the brothers, being a monk, he would have been under a fairly constant surveillance. Um, they, their lives were lived in the open there was very, um, as far as I can tell, there was very little uh, privacy uh, in that life they were encouraged for instance to um, tell their thoughts publicly, they were rebuked publicly, their mail might be opened, their letters out might be looked at um, uh, what they read was supervised uh, what they said was supervised it was uh, very strict but it was as strict as any Olympic training could be strict. The superiors, I think, felt they were training future saints.
5: Make me a channel of your peace There is hatred, let me bring your love
3: There is
5: We both
1: loved the saints' names, loved the way they rolled over the tongue like notes of a melody. I'd whisper them over breakfast and sometimes in his soft baritone voice, Dad would join in. St. Teresa the Little Flower, St. Cecilia of Avalon, St. Thomas Becket, and St. Catherine of Siena. The saints were the celebrities of the church. Dad showed me how I could collect holy cards of their beautiful faces and pin them to the wall. writes to Brother McGlade, a long-serving member of the Christian Brothers. He replies with further information about Dad.
6: I remember the shock he gave us all at Strathfield when he left suddenly without an explanation to anyone. He had done so well in the community for over 20 years. No one ever learned a reason for his discontent and departure. Sometimes it is for love for a woman, but there is no evidence of that.
1: Brother McGlade's letter startles me.
6: At the age of 25, a brother makes perpetual vows for life. If he then wishes to leave, he has to get a dispensation from his vows from the Holy See in Rome. As Brother Benedict did not make any such request, he was considered an apostate religious.
1: Apostate? I didn't even know what the word
2: meant. Anyone who leaves the church is an apostate.
1: I looked but up the meaning of the word as someone in the, violent opposition to the faith.
2: I mean it's only normally used if you're in violent opposition like the emperor Julian the Apostate who did a U-turn after Constantine became a Christian and tried to bring the Roman Empire back to paganism.
1: And do you think my father would have been he would have been aware of this? Oh, he
2: was very aware of
1: because it. Because he didn't lose his faith as you know he no. he was a practicing no. Catholic so he wasn't even no. a lapsed Catholic.
2: No. No, he's, uh, so
1: I wonder what this, what this felt like for him, I have no oh, idea I
2: think it would, have, it would have almost torn him apart
0: He had watched his own father rise up out of the darkness day after day Digging in the black pits, the dark smoke filled his lungs Rotting him from the inside out He knew what hell was He would rise up towards heaven now. He knew it existed. He felt it in the colours of the vestments, the scent of the flowers, the sound of the choir, the smells of the oils, the incense, the taste of candle wax, and the Eucharist. It entered deeply into his body the blood of a saviour, the divine spirit. Brother Dominic, thank mm.
1: you. And you're here in Balmain at the...
6: Archives, uh, the uh, Oceania Christian Brother Support Centre.
1: May I ask how long you've been in the brotherhood?
6: Um, I joined in uh, 1963.
1: Wow, that's a long time. Mm. You've had the perseverance. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard that word.
6: The perseverance, yes. I've got uh, the book open there on the chapter on the, on perseverance, in fact because uh, that deals with um, the case in point. What is meant by an apostate religious? And the answer given here is an apostate religious is one who, without permission, discards the religious habit and abandons the religious life with no intention to return.
1: Well, I I know I was sent a letter that Brother Young had sent to my father when he found him in Bathurst. Entreating mm. him to return. That's
6: right.
1: And offered him the, the opportunity to, formally discharge himself if he was unable to return.
5: Mm-hmm.
1: And according to Brother Mcglade, on the record books, this never occurred.
6: Yes, it did. It did occur. Yes.
1: That's a new bit of information because, mm-hmm. according to Brother Mcglade, he is still in the record books as an apostate. So uh, this is not correct.
6: Not correct. Um, yeah.
0: Well, that's, that's wonderful news. Yes, mm-hmm. Brother Benedict had been warned that women were a constant peril to his purity. He was never in danger. He was happy in the company of his brothers. He fasted and did penances to drown out the whispers of his nature. He did his work well and raised his eyes to the images of the saints, read the religious philosophers, and prayed for perseverance. But still, his heart had not closed to the possibility of a different kind of love. May I
1: ask what these documents are here? What is this one right, here? Well,
6: uh, this is his official. Record sheet. Before. What is
1: what is this one in reference to?
6: Well, it's a matter of conscience.
1: In the letter, um, my father asks to be moved.
6: I'm not at all happy about the position.
1: Because of his discomfort at approaches made to him by a woman, I would appreciate being removed from its influence. Mm-hmm. So this is what the perhaps the brothers were obliged to do if if they found some themselves. ladies were interested and in that's, them.
6: That's true.
0: Brother Benedict knew love didn't need to be physical and there were opportunities everywhere for its practice. He loved his fellow brothers, his superiors, even those who treated the boys harshly. He loved the women who cooked for the congregation and the sisters of the poor who washed their clothes. Most of all, he loved his students, tended to their welfare and guided their aspirations out into the world that was denied him.
6: Another one.
0: What does he talk about the frequent
1: changes in the past few years? The small pile of documents and photographs on Brother Dominic's desk um, sketch of the official history of Dad's life in service. Well,
6: he was... Uh,
1: Moved around
6: a lot. Yes.
1: Letters in his elegant handwriting tell of his feelings of failure the when his students didn't attain scholarships, his superiors with whom he sometimes clashed, as well community. as his frequent moves around the country. Uh,
6: interesting that he classes himself as, what was it, Uh, pugnacious. I was changed uh, from here last year because I fought, in quotation marks, with the superior and back to here, lest I should fight with Brother Adams, who has already experienced my pugnacity. So uh, that's another aspect of his character I wasn't uh, aware of. I asked a few brothers, you know, senior brothers, did you know uh, Benedict Neal, Ben Neal? Oh, yes, yes, and uh, uh, uniformly, they thought of him as a very likeable person, a yeah, very nice person.
1: He loved to tell stories. Once upon a time, there was a heavenly father an earthly son and a sacrificial lamb. There was a ghost who was holy and a virgin who gave birth. What about the daughter of the father? I asked. What about the earthly girls who make their way in the world and the heavenly ones who want to stay inside? You ask too many questions, my father told me. Have faith and persevere. So I held my tongue, towed the lion, tried to think of others, say my prayers and be a good kind girl but I was not always good. I was often not kind. And when the time came to leave my father's church, I didn't walk out as he did. I ran.
4: Self-criticism is also a very noticeable part of the internal culture of the Communist Party. You're expected to um, criticize yourself publicly and to acknowledge your faults and accept rebukes from uh, your superiors inside the Communist Party. Unchecked, it's a fault that could run through many organisations. That may not lead to growth, it could lead to crippling. You could cripple yourself um, because you're frightened to move. If you're frightened to make mistakes, you make nothing. You've got to um, be courageous and go out and uh, be yourself.
1: Is the station just down here? Yes. Mm -hmm.
2: I'm reminded... Saturday afternoon, long ago, when I and other student brothers, the ones who were attending the university, were waiting in the chapel at Mount Saint Mary for confession, and this this guy went in and came out, went back in the body of the church, then raced back up again to take the place of the person waiting, and repeated doing this five or six times at least. I don't know how they hauled him off in the end. He he obviously had a complete another case of scruples. He Quite
6: likely had a break there. So what
2: else have we got here?
6: Here, a um, much more personal uh, letter from his superior. He's um, overheard uh, on a phone call to a young lady uh, making an appointment with him to meet down the road. So he's reporting this to the rather Provincial.
1: It must be a continual problem for some mm. men, who especially who joined when they were boys, yes, and Dad right. was a 15-year-old boy, 14. Yes. Mm-hmm. To make those life choices yes. at that age when you and don't really uh, know the full implication.
6: That's right. And it seems that uh, he was attractive to uh, women because, you know, there are several cases there. Uh, And of course the brothers were not supposed to be Mm. uh, taking calls from young ladies, naturally.
1: Mm. (laughs) I left many times as he did, without a word. I worshipped under the temples of the sky. I didn't serve God or sacrifice myself for others. I persevered at few things and did not obey. Sometimes I felt his shame for me, as if my faults were his
3: faults. I think Ben was a very, had a very strong nurturing nature and it might have been taken wrongly um, by some people. You know, talking to women, as you're saying, um, may have been misconstrued, of course, but then, you know, he's a man as well. I do have uh, quite a lot of
6: um, correspondence of this type in, in a restricted file, nearly all relating to brothers who left the Institute... Not all are related to involvements with women. There are other cases where people just found it very difficult to be in a position where they had to obey strong characters who felt it hard to uh, to be under the thumb.
1: It's interesting that you made the observation that of the three poverty, chastity, obedience, obedience was the hardest.
2: Yes, because because that that couldn't couldn't be avoided that would be there every day you'd have to be obedient to somebody but in a religious order like in an army you have to do what you're told by people who as the days and the weeks go by you might decide are completely incompetent i mean these are normal men some of them are more normal than others They're like water running down stone, it slowly erodes away, and not only erodes away your feelings, but erodes away, surely it must erode away one's self-confidence, one's feeling whether one is making a success of life or not. It hurts, it wears away on a person.
4: Being a religious means that you follow a regular or a rule, and uh, the rule um, shadows all of your life and it might come down to quite minute things. Uh, Now, for some, that could be liberating because it took the decision-making out of their own hands. They simply did what they were told. For others, particularly those with imagination and some vision, it could be
6: frustrating. We had the three vows of poverty, chastity and obedience, but two extras. There was the vow of perseverance to um, persevere in the life. And uh, the vow of gratuitous instruction, gratuitous meaning not taking pay.
1: Mortifications and humiliation.
6: Dying to self.
1: <laughs> the ego surrender. I,
6: I guess so. Um, in those days, penances were also imposed to the young brothers, you know, if, they were, if there was any infraction of the rules.
1: The church is a metaphor, he told me, for the brotherhood of man. What about the sisterhood of women, I asked him.
2: The emphasis on a very masculine culture, a very muscular culture, a very masculine culture, that was, no girls, no... I mean, girls were even worse than particular friendships.
1: He wasn't like other fathers. Even his humour alluded to spiritual metaphors. You know that light at the end of the tunnel he would ask me. Yes, Dad, I would say. Well, I can't even see the tunnel. Once he couldn't move for a whole year, crippled by a spasm to his sciatic nerve. Sometimes he seemed to understand the tunnels just as well as he did the light at the end of them. So you went to the scholastics at Strathfield, and this is where you met Dad?
2: Yeah, and he was in charge. He was a man who seemed pleased to see us and who seemed to think that his job was not to fashion us into the Christian brother way of thinking, but to, um, to aid and assist us in our studies to become teachers. He was a wonderful man, a very intellectual man. Oh, it was a whole atmosphere that intellect was... Yeah, it was
1: there. You met my father when he must have been thinking about leaving after 25 years in the brotherhood. But he did he give any indication?
2: Uh, there was no way we could find out how your father ticked, uh, except by what he gave to us.
1: And what did he give to you? Oh,
2: just that feeling, but he he was interested in it.
0: He wasn't scared of the night. He knew the darkness of religion. Sometimes it had nothing to do with heaven. But what use was the word, he thought, without its fleshly enactment? Sometimes you had to roll your sleeves up and get involved in God's dirty work. He knew the rules. Don't get too involved. Be as hard as you need to be on yourself and not too soft with the boys. And don't look women too long in the eye.
1: Brian refers to our journey as the yellow brick road. Sometimes it feels as if Dad is walking with us along the road that one day leads Brian and me back to Strathfield where Dad began his walk so many years ago. And I just realised, Brian, that this building, these buildings we're looking at with the cross on with the, the cross, top. cross, yes. And a sort of definitely a 19th century architectural... Yes. ...style, dark brick. This is where my father began his that's, religious life that's, and ended it.
2: Yes, yes, exactly. That is a chapel on which for six years he prayed. That's where he worshipped. That's where he went to Mass, everyday communion confession. That's where he had the spiritual night of his soul, at the end. That was, was
1: the beginning and end of that, a 25 year journey. the
2: beginning and the end. The beginning and the end of it there, Linda.
7: Your father would have known me as Frank Garvin as a boy at school. In religion, my name is Barnabas and I go by that Barney. He taught me English and Latin. He was different from any other brother who had ever taught us. We couldn't quite fathom him I think it would be the way to say it. But at any rate he was very gentle. I can't remember his ever giving the strap to anyone in the class and in those days it was used a lot.
1: At the home for retired brothers we meet brother Barnabas.
7: He'd come to our scholasticate after three years being superior and principal of St Columban's in Albion and Brisbane. Now, interestingly, Linda, one thing a boy said to me, I bet Brother Neil leaves the brothers. Now, isn't that remarkable that he was giving out vibes that we couldn't put together with being a brother? Now, what they were, I don't think any of us could say. It's part of this mystery that he was suppose the way he treated us was different. Actually, a lot of it was very good ways, and we couldn't work it out. No, he was, I think he was a gentle man. Oh, I experienced him that way, but again, mysterious.
1: The home is close to the Australian Catholic University, which is situated on the grounds of the old Scholasticate, where Dad taught both Brian and Barney.
2: Just there are the... The veranda with the beds on it. Maybe your father slept down this corridor.
1: So, would he have still lived like this when he was in his 40s, too? Like, from the. There's not much difference between how the boys lived to how the. Not all that much, no.
2: He was allowed to read newspapers, we weren't. There was a room along here somewhere where they threw all the old newspapers out.
3: It's almost like he was institutionalised from a young age. I don't think he had get a chance to be a young man. I mean, I think these days, if somebody had a vocation to go in, they would be encouraged to make sure that they were making the right decision and they were, got a few things out of their way, first of all. Maybe he did try to, to bring his troubles to the attention of the authorities and say, you know, I'm doubting myself.
4: Getting out was so difficult. Um, applications had to be made vows had to be ruled out for some it must have been easier just to walk out the door now walking out the door meant where did you get the train fare what did you do the next day for a meal all that sort of thing but he doesn't leave because he's a failure in some senses he leaves because uh, you know he's worked his way through he no longer wants to be a monk he wants something else, but he 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 just skips one of the uh, exit strategies. He just goes. What a pity you didn't
6: get a chance to discuss this with him. This is actually written in 1952, after the he had left, and this is giving the background. As he says, recently my own suspicions were aroused. Next evening, I questioned him on many matters. His response was to say that he was very unhappy. He admitted telephoning to a friend and when pressed, a female. And it was uh, then uh, within a a few days that he actually uh, left.
1: We shared words. His favourites were love, care, peace and consolation. He never mentioned transubstantiation, but I think he believed the word could be made flesh. He'd come down from the hill long before I was born to embody the perfection of prayer. In the photograph of him and his much younger bride on their wedding day, my mother and father look like a perfect combination of the dark and the light. After nearly 50 years alone on this earth, he looks as though he has died and gone to heaven,
2: Best part of a year after your father left. Uh, Romulus Young obviously tracked him down and he said this letter will come as a surprise. My big concern as provincial and a long-standing friend is now that you have had plenty of time to consider your actions and your present position, you do the right thing and return to the order of which you are still a member.
1: May I read the reply from my father? Yes. Because this, I found this very...
2: So did I. Very moving. Yes.
1: I have not lost my faith, but I find the practice of it difficult. Yes. If not impossible.
0: Yes. He could see the clouds gathering as he walked down towards the sea. He wondered whether it would storm that night. He thought of the questions he'd left behind. In the end, it wasn't one thing, but many things. He'd not lost his faith, but he was tired from the practice of it. His body, his enemy, his mind in conflict with the longings of the heart. And the boys, with all their hope, trying every day to be saints on this earth.
6: He signed his uh, dispensation in August. He was free then to pursue a secular life. It's interesting that uh, Brother Young then writes another letter to the bishop, says, I'm inclined to think that his lapse is in the nature of a mental breakdown. We must only try to help him where we can. What a convenient way no, but for he them to look at
1: actually, it. No, but he actually... Yes, but it seemed to be more compassionate than the other one that put it all down to his yes. woman problem.
2: I think he had a large amount of mental stress. Mm. I doubt, yes. I suppose I've taken
7: it for granted that he had a relationship with, I suppose, your mother, with some lady, and that's ultimately why he left... He had to leave in himself.
2: But I don't know that. That's speculation. The story where youngsters were finally fed was that he'd run off with a woman from down the road that he'd been sneaking out and seeing. I thought that story was hogwash then, and I'm pleased that it was hogwash.
7: We certainly didn't talk about it, either brothers leaving or when they had left. That was an unfortunate culture. But we thought, actually, it was also part of... Um, or protecting their name, I dare say. When you look at it, religious life isn't all that easy, and proof of that is not very many people join the religious life. And then a big number of those who join depart for one reason or another. A lot of it is with uh, relationships, particularly with women that they lead, but not all. That's not all the reason, but it's part of uh, a big part of why men leave religious life.
1: My favourite words were resurrection tabernacle and light. Though sometimes I was the wound in his side, we eventually discovered that the most useful word to share was forgiveness.
0: He knew there was a heaven on earth. He'd felt it in his skin every time he dived into the sea, when he read a perfect thought expressed in words, when he heard a prayer sung by a boy. In the quiet spaces of his room, he'd contemplated the violence of biology that afflicted the outside world and knew that only kindness mattered. Now the light shone brighter outside the monastery walls. In the end, it had been simple. A few hundred steps from his bed to the gates, and then he was free. There were no keys to be turned, no locks to be broken. The broken things would hurt him later.
4: Part of that uh, culture that I talked about earlier was a culture of loyalty. And to walk away from a commitment was in some senses to be disloyal. And so words like defector and defecting were used quite commonly.
5: May. Channel of your peace where there is hatred, let me bring your love.
6: there is injury okay. I suppose the atmosphere of the time regarded um, religious life, the priesthood as such um, exalted positions that there was no almost no forgiveness you know amongst uh, people generally for those who had tried and failed. So um, it was a matter of some public shame for for the family. Mm.
1: I find that from this point of view, I guess, so sad because to me 25 years is a long time Mm -hmm. to be of service.
6: The Catholic community as a whole, he would have felt that it was necessary for him to keep all that um, uh, quiet,
1: Well, he certainly did that. My father kept many things to himself, so I will never know exactly what happened to him immediately after he left the Scholasticate. I emailed Brother Dominic to see if any action had been taken to locate my father in the hours and days after he disappeared. Brother Dominic writes to me, It seems that your father made certain he would not be easily located. I have no idea what may have been the immediate measures taken when he disappeared. The police may have been asked to locate him as a missing person, but there is no record of this.
7: It's been part of my vocation in life as a Christian brother to have to deal um, and help brothers who are sorting themselves out whether they're going to stay or leave. They go through a lot of pain And suffering in sorting themselves out and then making that decision and I have to say that I haven't come across any brother yet who I think did not make the correct decision when they
2: left us.
1: You know at the beginning of this whole thing my father still felt like a stranger to me.
2: Does he now? No not so much much. I have his picture up in
1: my (laughs) mantelpiece. Yes. He looks like a very gentle person and I think it's a very interesting situation to have been his daughter. Yes.
0: It was nearly dawn when he arrived at Bondi. He didn't really have to fight the urge to keep walking further and further across the road to the beach, along the cliffs and then down into the sea. He would persevere in this new life the way he had tried to in his old one. He felt the cold wind on his face as he turned towards the dark water, at peace with the world inside and around him, and what he knew would be spoken of as his failure by those he had left behind.
4: I think it's certainly a a theme you find going through all of Catholic thinking that um, you will never get perfectibility here uh, on this earth. Perfectibility is somewhere else. So in other words, what you'll get, to put that in a different way, what you'll get on this earth is failure.
1: What potential is there for real joy, for real contentment, for real self-acceptance?
4: Oh, plenty. Um, And your father, it seems to me, took one step towards that when he walked out of the scholasticate. Yes, it's,
7: it's, it is a mystery. But it is good that you're trying to, to fathom it, isn't it? Mm. Might I say, too, you look a bit like him. Uh, I can see him in you as soon as I saw you, as soon as I met you.
1: One thing we both might have agreed on was that some things are just a mystery. No one will ever know all the reasons for his sudden flight from religious life. But as I follow in the shadow of his long walk, I can hear him whisper to me in the wind. I can only imagine his descent from the monastery at the top of the hill to the wildness of the sea as a movement from sacred thought to the embodiment of the heart.